Welcome to Overthinking It and to our Community Recaps, Season 5, Episode 5. Uh, the episode is called Geothermal Escapism, and it involves a game of hot lava. Uh, I'm Matt Rather, and my uh, co-recapper is not Mark Lee, it's Ryan Sheely. Hey, Ryan. I'm on a bed. I'm standing on a bed, and so that's safe. That's a safe zone. So as long as I stay perched here on this on this piece of furniture, I will never die. <laughs> and I, uh, you can see me rocking back and forth. I have a, uh, I have a rolly chair. So You're I a roller. Roll. Yeah, exactly. And we're gonna get a uh, we're gonna get a, an extension cord or something, and like uh, you know, close clothesline people with literally something that looks like a clothesline. Um, so uh, this is a return to form, sort of for for community, right? Like it it seems here's here's my version of the history of the show. Um, it was an okay sitcom until the end and the paintball until the end of the first season and the, the paintball episodes where it suddenly became the, the strange and wonderful thing that we all are so devoted to and love. Uh, and then sort of continued in that vein for the, the second and third season. This is a return to form for the show, but I noticed a couple things about it. One is that it, it's a lot cheaper uh, this episode was a lot cheaper than, um, like the paintball episode, for example, which involved a cast of thousands and, uh, and a lot of sets, right? Th- this was, this one was, um, uh, involved the, uh, just the, the community college sets, though they were lit, um, they were done in a way that was not as, uh, uh, that was not as um, well expensive to shoot, I think, and and even the the computer graphics were, I think, purposefully cheesy. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I guess let's. I mean, to say to kind of take a step back and say w- w- what way it is a return to form. The specific form that it is returning to is a um, a, a kind of. I mean, I, I guess let's let's try to nail down what this specific type of episode is, because I think there's a few different kinds of episode um, that that you see in Community, and I think that understanding how they are sequenced in a given season and throughout the series might be useful in understanding this show, right? So last week, the um, episode, the um, the polygraph episode uh, that that was aired last week uh, was a, was a bottle episode, and you guys discussed that a little bit on the recap, um, and where everyone takes place. Er, Every all action takes place in one uh, episode, and community's done a few of those. Uh, or sorry, in one location, um, and then there are there might be a few other kinds of more, uh, you know, what you define as a standard sitcom. Um, uh, uh, episode that maybe has an A, B, and C plot that intersect and diverge uh, with with a rhythm over the three acts of the of the half hour, and then this third type is this kind of self-contained genre episode sort of right and that that is that takes on the art direction and many of the kind of stylistic and narrative um and thematic tropes of a particular type of genre um right is that is that fair to say what this type of episode is or is that description uh, missing anything no i think that's i think that's right and i would just add to your description that they're usually pegged to a game Right to a mm-hmm. to a cooperative or competitive game like paintball or like Dungeons and Dragons for me is the 
is almost the archetypal one of these because yeah. it's I because it's so it's such a good bit I think of dramatic writing and also funny and 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 does this and I I think what it does is I I think it sort of hangs a lantern on the idea of of format I mean it's not specifically an alienation effect. In, in that it like makes you understand the economic realities that un- and relationships and systems of oppression that undergird television production it doesn't it doesn't do that though though it has like i mean i I've, I've noticed maybe just because i i've been looking for it and maybe this is just maybe this is sort of too sophisticated by half and i'm just being a douchebag by saying this i you know, it's been pointed out in these recaps and in the press how the budgets are lower this time. And I thought that that I think they're doing a lot. I think they're doing a lot with a little and even kind of I mean, even kind of uh, pointing out, pointing up the fact that that the budgets are lower, you know, and they don't have the the um, ability to do like some of the outside shots with large casts and a lot of one off props and stuff like that, as in the uh, as in the paintball episode, they're just sort of using the sets they have, lighting them differently, using the props I, that they have, like like chairs and chairs and stuff like that. So it is, to a certain extent, uh, revealing the economic system of oppression. Uh, and by oppression, I mean not giving Dan Harmon all the money he wants to do whatever the hell he wants right. all the time. Um, to uh, that that undergirds the show, but uh, but no, I mean it's. Um, it's a show that's that's very self-conscious, obviously, and so by by highlighting a system of rules in the form of a diegetic game, um, I I think it it sort of uh, raises the question of what the extra diegetic or what the what the rules are at the higher level of abstraction of creating a television show, creating a sitcom, yeah. uh, creating serial drama, and uh, uh, you know and puts these questions in front of us. Yeah, and I think that there's several elements of this on this episode that um, that accomplish that, right? And so um, I think one is well. So first of all, even that that awareness, right? You you see that at the very end, at the little uh, tag at the very end of um, Troy with Lavar Burton saying, "I have a few questions uh, about Star Trek," and he goes, "Okay, go ahead." And he's like, "All right, what time did you have to wake up in the morning? Uh, who was the best boy?" Um, and you know, and these are these these. And it's really fascinating. It's not asking about kind of either kind of diegetic things or or interpret or, or interpretation of uh, performance, but these technical aspects of how it was produced. And 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 I think that that type of question um, is really interesting. About it's again very characteristically aware of um you know the the discourse around the show and how much of the discourse around the show is about the um production but i think that this is a case where in this episode this was a feature rather than a bug and so that it being less um less expensive i I actually as i was watching it it was a fantastic episode to watch i mean it was this very you know the the first term that came to mind was uh, was steampunk, but that wasn't even exactly right. That you know the the actually that because the game involved um, you know using furniture 
in in other ways, in, in ways other than furniture. It led to and and that you saw, um, you know, entire uh, ver- varieties of ways of using furniture to move around. That then um, seems to have instantly been, been imbued with meaning, with culture, uh, and and identity. Um, and you see like all of these various ways of using. There's the the locker boys, uh, and there's there's chair striders, and there's these you know all these every way that you could use a piece of furniture to move around is um, all of a sudden has tremendous meaning. And then in the fight scenes um, there, uh, the choreography of this was just, was really stunning to watch. And so it was doing quite, um, quite a lot with very little. Um, And I think that, and then, and I think the one other thing in terms of understanding what makes that real um, is in, uh, is diegetically is not just, a set of rules, um, but is is incentive, right? And and Abed says this from the top, and it's it's really um, striking where he says, you know, at, at first everyone says, oh, this is a game, we're going to get into it, and then he says, and the winner gets this comic, which is valued at um, at fifty thousand dollars, and immediately the reality changes, right? That once there are, um, so that once there is the the thing that is real is uh, at at its base um i mean it's 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 marks right it's it's uh it's it's um it's money it's materialism all the way down and then instantly um a superstructure I mean, it's it's amazing that as soon as there is a material set of relations and a set of material incentives, a superstructure evolves and uh, out of whole cloth. And right, and after um, after the after the title and after um, uh, yeah, the, I, I guess the title. I don't think it was after the first commercial. You come back, and this there's a fully fleshed out reality uh, instantaneously, right? And yep. so that, uh, and I think that this, by the way that that's kind of bookended, kind of. You know, even more than some of the other episodes, really highlights the ways in which, right? That you know, that it's it's about process, but it's a it's really kind of just very nicely just peel, peel, pulling the curtain back enough about how these things are produced, right? And so that kind of meaning and material um, collide uh, in in ways that um, are not. Are not entirely obvious. So this, I think, I thought it was a really interesting way of um, evoking that, and it made it just tremendously fun to watch, right? And it was it was really enthralling, um, and then and then and and yet kind of accomplishes what it was trying to do um, artistically as well. And it really it sort of raises the question. Uh, there's a there's a post in overthinking it with a video that Pete did about StarCraft II, um, where he talks about. Uh, uh, the idea of in-game resources versus out-of-game resources, uh, and he's talking about StarCraft, StarCraft Two, in-game, and talks about management of in-game resources and out-of-game resources. In-game resources being things like how you play the game, how you allocate the resources throughout the uh, throughout the game. Um, out-of-game resources being like, for example, maybe how much time you spend playing, or right. you know. Uh, d- developing your skills in in some way, or sort of optimizing something about your life outside right. the 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 boundary of the game, or theoretically and, paying someone to play on your behalf, or something like that, right? Sure, right, and and so I I think that that what this does is um is give lie to the idea that um 
give lie to the idea that the the material incentives in life um, are somehow more natural, right, or uh, less artificial than the material episodes in some uh, the material uh, incentives in in something like this this uh, this game, right? The idea that if you work for a wage, well, that's somehow natural, right? That's that's somehow um, correct. That's that's the arrangement of the world. Uh, as it should be, and the superstructure that emerges from that is somehow, uh, you know, I don't know, is somehow right or natural or sort of uh, escapes um, arbitrariness, right? It, it is the way it has to be. And yet, uh, when when someone, you know, hires an entire college for the price of, of $50,000 to um, act act crazy, right, that's weird, you know, right. that's uh, that's that's strange. And I think it, it sort of gives gives lie to the idea that the economics that any economic system and any um, uh, system of relations uh, or, as you say, superstructure that that um, uh, springs into existence on the basis of a of a material incentive could be more natural than a bunch of like beyond Thunderdome people. Uh, you know, crawling around on office furniture or school furniture. Um, well, right. I mean that that that. I guess that that's exactly it. That you know the that yes, um, the the kind of chair fight ballet is ridiculous, but so is late capitalism. Uh, <laughs> and well, right. um, if you think, I mean, if you think what you're doing is more noble, more natural. Uh, or you know more correct somehow than a chair fight ballet. If you think your life is better than a chair fight ballet, you have not thought very hard about your life. Right. Well, and I think that that's and it, it is really interesting. Where and and there's um, near the end um, when Ab, there, there's a series of conversations between um, I think first Abed and Troy and then between Troy um, and Britta that about well no to Abed this uh the the lava is real um and what that means right and 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 once that's said everyone accepts that um and and it's and it's interesting because all along brit has been saying well this is a um this is a defense mechanism this is escapism this is this is childish and then you know she kind of so they've there there's a certain acceptance of the reality of of arbitrariness. And so there's a real like fighting of fire with fire, right? And so that the way the uh, the escape from the 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 kind of realness of arbitrariness uh, or the arbitrariness of reality is to is is to make um arbitrary shifts, right? So there's the arbitrary um uh, cloning that is a you know in this case a misreading of the of the rules of this kind of uh, uh, of this reality that um, enables um, life to happen and it, it, it opens a window right and so that um, 
that that this that the act of of cloning is a way to slightly reconfigure the self um and and uh, you know and, and exert agency um within this structure right so it's a really kind of interesting um an interesting uh variation of the you know the hobby horse that we flog to death uh, over on our our sister podcast uh, the TFT podcast <laughs> um but no I, I but i think it's there right that that the self you know that um, and especially it's that in one's friends, you know, Abed does not do this himself, but does this with the permission and the assistance of his friends. And they can say, it is, you know, we are bringing you back to life. And then he can sort of say, and I'm changed. I'm not just a clone, um, but I've, I'm transformed. Right. Once, once you accept the, um, uh, the structurality or the constructedness of identity, Right. And this this really is one of our hobby horses over on TFT. Once you accept that, you suddenly have a need for a set of practices and sometimes rituals around that construction. Uh, and you need um, you need a set of boundaries for what constitutes a legitimate move in the construction of identity uh, and and what is not for real. <laughs> Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, so that, and and so the, and we're always sort of, and these things exist in, in sort of negotiation, and we've sort of described them as, as um, being a nexus of forces rather than a, rather than a fixed point, and a nexus of forces that are productively in tension, and sometimes that nexus can sort of shift if there's a, a, a change in the, in the, the balance of, of the forces. And the change in the balance of the forces um, is sort of Brita, Right. It's a it's a change in her kind of moving from um, insisting, uh, right, insisting on her definition of empathy or sort of insisting that others bend to her will uh, and sort of perform a certain kind of perform a certain kind of interpersonal ritual of psychology of like, you know, psychology class and being a psych major and stuff like this and actually uh, practices empathy. Right. Right. And practices empathy in the form of, well, can I enter into someone else's uh, someone else's will? And can I participate? Can I ra rather than have agency? Can I participate in your agency? And maybe right. maybe sort of is there something around? Is there something besides the kind of struggle of will against will? Uh, is there is there a sort of cooperation or is there a sort of um, a kind of teamwork uh, a kind of collaboration possible. And this is really, I think this is interesting because Abed is the character who manages to, who, who is a planetarian, you know what I mean? Who kind of projects a cosmos out of his head and is able to bend reality, uh, to his will. A lot of the episodes that kind of go heavy genre, and I'm thinking of like claymation mm -hmm. and, uh, the, um, Oh God! What is it called? The closet. The closet in their apartment. The um, oh, the the dreamatorium. I believe the dreamatorium. I nearly said imaginarium, but I think that's actually a real play, a real like children's museum somewhere or something like that. Uh, right. He's the guy who can sort of uh, 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 in a line from Thomas Pynchon's uh, "The Crying of Lot 49, um, Shall I project a world? Is, yeah. is the line, and uh, he is the one who can project a world 
um, out of his head. If you're listening to the audio version on the video, I'm actually like radiating lines with my yeah. fingers out of my yeah, head. Exactly. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, I mean, you could do this you're at home, right? Just draw Matt Rather and draw lines <laughs> springing forth from his head. Or you don't even need to draw, use your mind. Just draw the grid <laughs> on the walls of your own dreamatorium. Uh, and, 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 and you can project, uh, project a world. I mean, I mean, we're on video, so we might as well use the video. <laughs> it's a visual. It's a visual medium, and though our budgets are low this season, we can, uh, you know, we can do a lot. We can do a lot with a little. So I, I'm. I mean, uh, if this is uh, if this line of line of inquiry is tapped out, I mean, I think we should talk a little bit about the actual genre. Um, because I mean, there were a lot of references. Uh, some of the music was Lord of the Rings sound alike music. Uh, I think Mad Max and Beyond Thunderdome was like a really important sort of reference text. But then I thought Chang looked like Rufio from Hook with the red feathers in his hair. And I, uh, and I, I mean, I also got hints with the Locker Boys, hints of the Warriors as well. Huh. Yeah, yeah, um, sure, sure, sure. Right. And so these are both and these I guess what these all have in common. I mean, these are all post-apocalyptic in some way. Right. Or um, after the breakdown of society. Right. Seems to be um, the genre that's at play here. Right. I mean, there, there's a lot of disparate um, tropes, but they're um, all about kind of. What? Um varieties of how society uh, i mean is there one genre here or is it a set of you know or what are we working with right because if we just in in one breath said lord of the rings hook um the warriors uh mad max um what what is the what is the what is the thing when you connect those dots or draw the circle around those? Um, what what do you get? Um, or or are some of our references more peripheral? And is there a core a, a, a genre core here, or are we at something that's kind of beyond genre, uh, cuts across genre to be a different type of film? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, was it a little was it a little matrixy? Um, I mean, was it a little matrixy as well? So what, what do these things all have, uh, you know, I don't know. What do these things all have in common? I'm thinking, I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, there's a certain kind of, um, post-apocalyptic aesthetic to them, a certain sort of dystopian, uh, dystopian quality maybe. Right. And well then let's think about like, and then actually, and then Pete, the world Peter Pan or Hook is, is interesting here, right? The world that – I mean I've never really imagined Never Neverland as a post-apocalyptic world or a dystopia, but it is in a way, right? Um, and, that, uh, and, and that these are all – I mean I think what's interesting about – I mean I guess in a way, right, so all – so I guess there's something, especially when we were kind of in sticking about kind of imagined worlds, right? That part of what what we are looking at are counterfactual realities, right? And and that um, where 
um, tremendous amounts of the, the of 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 what we know as reality and the kind of um, what forms the basis for what we know as as society are taken away, right? So in this case, the very ground on which um, we stand is pulled out from under us, right? Oh, yeah. And, and 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 that and that is the the thing that kind of unites um a um a lot of these kinds of th- um things that we see both kind of dystopian futures and post apocalyptic worlds and um peter pan are all cases in which you know the 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 kind of core um grid of reality is sucked away and so that you have humanity in a vacuum of some kind um and so that i think that that is a a and 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 so then um and and you know, actually so then even something like um lord of the flies actually falls in in a line with that as well of how do when you have humans of uh, of 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 a certain kind in a in a reality that sucks away most of what we know as the kind of support structure of reality how do they behave and how do they work themselves out and so that you know i i think that there's some kind of you know a broader macro uh meta genre of counterfactual um kind of counterfactual realism or something like right, that where there's um, where some where some assumption about where some assumption about uh, the nature of our life is evacuated and hook yeah. its parental authority in you know uh in the post apocalyptic ones it's you know the fabric of society and like uh the industrial basis of of you know our livelihoods um dystopias it's often like civil liberties um right it's 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 the freedom that is kind of the the air of a of of a kind of of our current society right yeah and i think that i think that this is sort of a metaphor for what um what what is going on in the character story of the episode because it's it's uh you know what happens when your your friend goes away you know, yeah. <laughs> like what happens when uh, when sort of a, one of the things that is the strut that has been supporting you has been sort of holding you up. Right. And like you can sort of psychoanalyze Troy and Abed's relationship and say that Troy has been his enabler or his uh, interpreter right, or his kind of buffer throughout a, a, a lot of their relationship. And it has sort of gladly been that right and has gotten a lot out of that. Um, himself, because he enters into a dream world of yeah. magic yeah. Uh, every time he, he yeah. goes home and enters the dreamatorium. Troy and Abed in a bubble, right? I mean, that was the moment for me that really like nailed the episode when they say Troy and Abed in a bubble. I mean, that's that's what this episode is and what the relationship is, right? Um, and that you know, it really you know when um, you know the Mike Ehrman Trout's uh, you know uh, 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 razor of adulthood punctures their bubble of youthful camaraderie. I mean, uh, uh, it would be it would be unbearably on the on the nose if it weren't so so beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah, I, and, and I thought that was that was handled nice at the metaphorical level, also because like you puncture the bubble, but you still got a little time, yeah. You know, but you, you know it's coming; it's inevitable. Like you know, growing up, uh, not hearing the bell in the Polar Express, being excluded from being unable to fly in Peter Pan, right? Like all this stuff is coming, 
Uh, right, but you got but you can you can writhe around in the in the air sac a little longer, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can flop about and flail uh, uh, for for a good half decade or so. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, right, this I, this uh, it strikes me like there was. I'm sure you don't watch you don't watch Modern Family, Ryan, because you're far too cool for that. But um, but Modern Family had a had a storyline had like the the uh three storylines and the the b plot was um ed o'neill's friend is moving away and they're men in their 60s and uh you know he has this sort of greatest generation reticence not a not a um sort of asperger's syndrome not a not a sort of he, he has the mental illness of of you know uh being a baby boomer or being uh being a older than that being a greatest generation guy um and uh you know he has uh a, and uh, sofia vergara has to through her you know fiery latin charisma um teach him to love again and be able to say goodbye to his friend and and give him a hug um it strikes me that there's that there's sort of something something in the air that sort of makes makes these stories uh relevant now these stories about men about the life cycle of male relationships and uh, about inflection points and crisis points in in male relationships and sort of what is the language that we have what is the set of norms and practices and rituals that we are negotiating in the construction of our identities and the performance of our identities um that can cope with the Mm, what I think is a what I think is a post gay rights uh, deepening of the idea of of male relationships. Mm. You know, well, so, and, and the answer is that you, you you hug, but while you hug, you also do the handshake and a hearty pat on the back. And again, for those of you who are listening on the audio, I'm 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 miming. Matt and I are bro hugging. Right. We are bro hugging <laughs> on the Google Plus video just to to really yep. enact this yep. uh, this ritual. Yep. Um, no, and and you see this in the in the very last scene, right? That um, and it's worth kind of unpacking that, right? Where um, Troy has a series of one-on-one exchanges uh with with everyone and um and and uh, and uh, they're all kind of important but the two really they're all they're all important right so that the um the his with britta he says um you know tell me am i better in bed than jeff right so that there's this um uh, directly this kind of homosocial relationship that you know that that um in the way that which he chooses to relate to Britta is is through um is, is through Jeff right so it's this inverse of this kind of you know competition over a woman being really about sublimated uh, male desire um and then and then when he bro hugs Jeff says you're the coolest guy that I know uh and uh Jeff says I've never even left Colorado um and I didn't actually did we know that they were in Colorado before this point um I'm you know, not my friend said the same thing to me and I thought that I thought that we did. I mean, I thought that that the the location had been established and not made much of that that we knew it was a it was a sort of western non coastal city and that we had heard Colorado before. But but uh, but, but you you were not the only you were not the only one who was surprised. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, it was, it was, it was mentioned twice in like the last five minutes of this episode in a way that drew attention to that um, more than I had ever, you know, I had, I had also inferred that it was somewhere west of the Mississippi, um, but I, I wasn't, I, I had never had many more specifics than that, and this kind of, you know, drew my attention to that much more than, um, than, than usual, which is interesting. Um, I mean, it's, it's always, I'd always just viewed it as being deliberately geographically nondescript, kind of like Springfield, right? Um, and, uh, and obviously now they're, they're choosing to be less elusive and obstructionist than, um, you know, than the Simpsons folks are in, in, uh, in the, their portrayal of their, uh, location. But yeah, so that the point is, is that I think that that that's very on point. Um, and then there's so there's these kind of these relationships. Um, then there's the, a maternal relationship um, with with Shirley, and then there's the um, the, the the father of um, uh, the father figure of Lavar Burton uh, on on the boat uh, as the as the cover of uh, Styx's "Come Sail Away." Um, uh, 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 strikes up, and I think it's very appropriate. I mean, I, I personally would have gone with Enya's Orinoco flow, uh, but I guess again they have a lower budget, so they couldn't spring for the Enya. <laughs> right, right, and they got to go. They they have a cover instead of the the original, you know, because it's probably cheaper to license the uh, to license the recording. Um, well, this has been a, this has been a great talk. Is there anything you want to uh, wait? Uh, are you saying follow? that it has to end? No, Matt. As long as we're on this furniture, this podcast never has to end. All right, I am perched here, and it'll just be you. It'll be it'll be you and me together, Matt. Forever. This podcast is going to go on together, and we're gonna we're gonna start a new society up here in the heating of the internet. Oh God. Um, I just fell off my uh, my swivel chair. Um, that means that means you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, if you'd like to, um, oh, forget it. I'm not going to do the the post show stuff. Uh, leave a comment on the show notes if you have something to say about this episode. I think it was I think it was a good one. Um, th- there's a certain sense of kind of homecoming uh, to it of like Harmon. Harmon, Harmon, homecoming, home, harmoning, Harmon. Home. Uh, let's just say, let's just say, I'm in the ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to um, uh, to this episode, so so it was a lot of fun. I hope you thought so also, and uh, want to talk about it in the, the comments on the show notes underneath. Uh, underneath this video, um, these recaps are available as an audio podcast as well as uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, so you can subscribe through iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use, and those links are in the show notes for these uh, on overthinking it. Um, Ryan, I think now now that you're moved, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you're going to become more of a regular feature on these uh, on these community recaps, or at least you intend to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do what I'm going to do what I can. I like this uh, format. It's another way for me to uh, engage uh, in the site, and for me to again, the more I can drag my hobby horses across the uh, across the world, the the overthinking landscape. Uh, you know, I will. That's an opportunity that I can't turn down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, on your on your great boat, the childish tycoon, right? Which yes, is, exactly. Which is, which is, of course, that's a play on Childish Gambino. It is. It is. Be, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, 
Uh, we'll be back next week, I think, with more community. And until then, you can see us on the web at Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve.